You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Today's message is Come Home to the Altar. I want to invite you to join me in rebuilding the altar of God in your personal devotional life. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He went into the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers. And if you went to Jerusalem today, the money changers are still there. They were unfairly profiting off of God's people by exchanging their money to a temple currency. He cleansed the temple to return it to its original purpose. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Did you know that's not changed? That command from the Lord has not changed at all. He is calling you and I, our individual homes, our corporate houses to be houses of prayer. When God calls us home to the altar, he may first do a work of cleansing in our hearts and in our lives. Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Our prayer should be the same as David's today in Psalms 51, verse 1 and 2. Have mercy upon me, O God according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. In verse 10 of Psalms 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. In Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Psalms 19, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Amanda Byes, a minister from South Africa, defines an altar as, number one, simply a place of contact with the spirit world. Number two, it is a place of sacrifice and a place of covenant. The Hebrew word for altar literally means a place of sacrifice. It is a place of meeting. Catherine Brown defines the altar as a meeting place between heaven and earth where God creates covenant, you can see Genesis 8, and where a priest offers either sacrifices or gifts. Altars are mentioned 228 times in the Bible, 24 times in the New Testament. It means a place of sacrifice or a place to meet with God. Thus, it is a place to worship God. God is calling us home to the altar to meet with him to fellowship with him, to receive instruction, to receive help, comfort, and direction. This morning, in our time together, I want to share three things concerning the altar. First of all, I want you to note that the altar is a place of devotion. Merriam Wester defines devotion as an act of religious fervor, piety, an act of prayer or private worship, a religious exercise or practice other than the regular corporate worship of a congregation. It is the act of dedicating something to a cause, an enterprise, or activity. Devotion is simply being devoted. What are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? The altar is a place of sacrifice, 
a sacrifice must cost us something. God promises to meet with us and to bless us at the altar. In Exodus 20, verse 24, an altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. The altar is not a place to visit haphazardly, but it is a place of devotion. Psalms 5, verse 3, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you. I will look up. Deuteronomy 6, 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Psalm 63, 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The ultimate altar was the cross where Jesus, our high priest, offered himself as a one-time atoning sacrifice on the altar, the cross, for the sins of humanity. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, Think about that. The ultimate altar is the cross. And Jesus washed us from our sins in his own blood. And listen to verse 6. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we're made heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You see, the moment I'm born again, I'm adopted. I'm placed into the family of God. I'm no longer the person that I used to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Peter told us that we take on a new nature. Something changes in our lives. Amanda Byers writes this. She said, God is calling his church in every city to stand in the gap. The strength of the church is dependent on the strength of each individual's prayer life. It's dependent on every believer's individual prayer life. The major reason why so many believers today are unsuccessful, they're stagnant, they never realize their true potential, is because they do not have an altar of prayer. A believer is not greater than his altar. The success, advancement, increase, and consequently breakthrough in every area of the life of a believer is dependent upon his or her altar. Do you desire the blessings and the favor of God? And listen, if you know the Lord, you have favor with God. And the more you spend time in his presence, the greater that favor becomes. But what you must pray is you must pray for favor with man. Many times when I go to have meetings, when I go to do certain things, I will pray and I will ask the Lord, Lord, I need favor with man. I need favor in this meeting. I need favor for what we're about to do. The favor of God is realized at the altar of prayer. You'll never realize your true potential if you do not have an altar of prayer. So I want to stop for a moment right here in this message and encourage you to rebuild the altar of prayer in your life. It is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy to get busy. But we must make prayer a priority in our lives. It's time to rebuild 
the broken altar. If you desire blessing and favor, if you long for his presence in your daily life, then you must be willing to establish an altar of prayer. In the Old Testament, the altar was made of stones from the earth or wood. But in the New Testament, we no longer build physical altars, but we establish spiritual altars. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What does that mean? Well, it's a spirit-to-spirit relationship. It's out of my heart. What does it mean to worship in truth? I believe that means to worship according to God's word, but also in sincerity. I come to God in truth. I come to God with no agenda. I come to God with nothing hidden. You see, Christianity has to be more than just how do I get a new car? How do I get blessed? How do I get a bigger house? And I don't serve God from what I can get out of him. I serve God because he bought me out of darkness. He bought me out of the marketplace of sin. He brought me out so he could bring me in. I serve him because I love him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And the Holy Spirit will come and give you a revelation of the love of God. It's easy to respond to people we love. It's easy to respond to people who love us. But I want to tell you, there's no love like the love of God. So the altar is a place where we spend time with God. The altar is a place of devotion. What is your devotional life? Do you have prioritized time with the Lord? Do you prioritize time in his word and time to pray and call on his name? The altar is a place of devotion. But secondly, I want you to note it's a place of demonstration. How many of you want to experience signs, wonders, and miracles? We've heard a lot about signs, wonders, and miracles. But do we really see them in the way I believe that God wants to bring them? How many of you today want to experience the glory of God's presence? I had this thought this week. The fire of God is usually associated with the altar of God. Fire falls on the sacrifice that we make at the altar. In Genesis chapter 8, Noah built an altar when he came out of the ark. Listen to what it says in verse 21 and 22. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, the day and night shall not cease. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, God pronounced a blessing on Noah and his sons. So this is important because God demonstrates his power at the altar. In Second Chronicles chapter 6 through 7, King Solomon dedicates the temple that he built. And in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 12, it said that Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord. And we pick up the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, his mercy endures forever. God met them with his glory at the altar, and the Bible said the priest could not go into the house of the Lord because of the heavy weight 
of God's glory. And the people bowed their faces to the ground and declared, God is good and his mercy endures forever. He then makes an offering at the dedication of the temple. And listen in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 63. I want to just read it from the Living Bible. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering of 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the temple to the Lord. What happened at this altar? The fire of God failed and consumed the offerings and sacrifice. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest couldn't enter the house of the Lord because the glory had filled the house of the Lord. And the people bowed their faces to the ground in worship. Listen to their declaration once again. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. The altar is a place of demonstration. Elijah met the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And 1 Kings chapter 18 records the details of what took place on this mountain. Listen to the challenge in 1 Kings 18, 23 through 24. Therefore let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. In verse 32, Elijah rebuilt the altar of prayer. He placed the sacrifice on the altar. He poured four barrels of water on the altar and prayed a 63-word prayer. What happened? Well, in 1 Kings 18.38, it said, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The altar is a place of demonstration. And my prayer today is let the fire of God fall. Across this nation... And in many nations of the world, I know many people who are praying and believing God for revival in our times. I believe that all of us would agree that, first off, we're living in the last days. The last days didn't start in 1948 when Israel became a nation. The last days didn't start in 1967 at the Six-Day War. The last days didn't start at the turn of the century. The last days started, I believe, on the day of Pentecost, for Peter stood with the eleven and said, These men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So we've been living in the last days since the very beginning of the book of Acts. Think about that. We're now in the last of the last day. And what was the promise? I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. We're living in those days. And many of us are standing believing for those promises to become a reality. We want the fire of God's presence, fire of God's glory, the refining fire, the cleansing fire, the anointing fire to fall. What will it take for that to become a reality? I'm going to tell you what it will take for that to become a reality. We have to rebuild the broken altar. Some years ago, I preached a message out of this chapter in 1 Kings 18 about Elijah. He withstood 450 prophets of Baal 
and 400 prophets of Asherah there at Mount Carmel. I've been to Mount Carmel. I've stood in that place. It was the place in Israel where I felt such a presence of the Lord. They say that everyone that goes to Israel will find a place in Israel where God will speak to them and minister to them, help them in some way. For me, it was Mount Carmel. As I stood on the place where the fire of God fell, something took place in my life. Something changed in my life. I could put myself into that scene and see this fiery prophet as he laid the wood in order, as he put the bullock on there and then covered it with water and prayed a 63-word prayer. You see, he challenged the prophets of Baal, and he allowed them to go first. And the Bible said they called on the Lord till in the afternoon. They cut themselves with knives, and Elijah began to tease them. Perhaps your God's on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep. Maybe if you cried louder, you would hear him. But then he prayed a short 63-word prayer. Why? Because he had built his personal altar and he had spent time at the personal altar of prayer. You see, if you want public power with God, you have to have personal power with God. If you want to hear God's voice on a platform, then you got to learn to hear God's voice at your personal altar of prayer. I want to encourage you to rebuild that altar, to spend time in God's presence. So the altar is a place of devotion. The altar is a place of demonstration. And what did Jesus say? He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. We don't go chasing after signs. We don't go following signs. But these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs and wonders follow us. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. And the greatest sign and the greatest wonder is when a person is born again by the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I'm believing in this time and in this day for great miracles to take place. I'm believing in this time of darkness, in this time when wickedness and evil has swept across our land, that God's going to raise up a standard and that God's going to send revival. And many who are bound in difficult situations, many who are bound in sin are going to be set free by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So the altar is a place of devotion but it's also a place of demonstration. So my prayer today, and I invite you to join me in this prayer, is simply this. Let the fire of God fall. But I want you to notice third, that the altar is a place of declaration. We're currently in a decade of declaration. The Hebrew word for 80, for for that number 80 in this decade, 5781 is the year on the Hebrew calendar. It is the word pay. And it, it has to do with your mouth. It has to do with your speech. It has to do with your declaration. It has to do with your breath. Is it any wonder that we're having debates over masks that cover our mouth, that we're dealing with a pandemic that will take our breath away? That's what COVID does. It infects your lungs. I have someone very close to me that battled this, and they wound up with pneumonia, but God spared their life. God brought them out, and he's raising them up. What is this? This is the decade of declaration. We have to learn how to declare the word of God over every circumstance and situation. You see, the Bible says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What is that knowledge? It is a knowledge of the word of God. I have to understand and know what the word of God says to me, because first of all, this is the covenant that he's made with us. 
And here's what we have. We have a better covenant than Elijah. We have a better covenant than Noah. We have a better covenant than, than Job. We have a better covenant than the old covenant. Our covenant is built on better promises. And as we begin to speak this word, which is powerful, it is life-giving. It has resurrection power in it. The altar becomes a place of declaration. Well, what am I declaring? I'm not declaring my will. I'm not declaring my emotional thoughts. I'm not declaring what I desire or what I think is best. I'm declaring God's word. And in this decade of declaration, we have to learn how to declare the word of God. In Genesis 28, 10 through 12, Jacob journeyed to a place, and it was called Luz, L-U-Z, Luz. And in verse 11 and 12, he came to a certain place, and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. He lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What happened in this place? Well, there was a portal opened in the heavens. Jacob witnessed an opening in the heavens. Verse 13 through 15, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God met with Jacob and promised to bless him. Notice Jacob's reaction in verse 16 and 17. He awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How often has the Lord visited us and we didn't realize or know that it was him until the whole visitation was over? You know, oftentimes we come under attack of the enemy and we tend to just try to look at it in human terms and say, well, maybe that's just something that's going on in my life right now. And we don't really see the enemy that is behind it, that is working to manipulate, that is working to distract us. Oftentimes we are so dialed in to the natural that we miss the supernatural element of what's happening in our lives. How awesome is this place? It is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In verse 18, it says, He rose early in the morning. He took the stone which he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I can come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. What happened at the altar? The name of the place where he was staying was changed. Just a simple stop on the road with the name of Luz, became Bethel, a meeting place with God. You see, it's at Bethel where men receive visions. It's at Bethel where men have encounters. And what did he do? He built an altar. He took the stone that he had used for a pillow, and he set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on the top of it. He anointed that, 
and he made a declaration. God was in this place. God met with me in this place. We need some Bethel experiences today, places where we can meet with God, where we can come to the very gate of heaven and heavens will open. God longs to open the heavens over his people today. He longs to open the heavens over you. What did he say in Malachi chapter three? He said that if you bring all your tithe and your offering into the storehouse, and I want you to notice here in verse 22, that's the first thing that Jacob does. He says, I will give you a tenth of everything that you bless me with. If you have a problem being generous with God, then you have a problem at the altar. And God says, I will pour out upon you blessings you'll not have room to receive. God wants to open the heavens over us today. What was the result of this? Jacob made a faith declaration. The altar is a place of decoration. And we have to say this, what are you speaking over your circumstances today? Learn to declare the word of God by faith over every circumstance in your life. New revelation, new vision, new assignments are revealed at the altar. God desires to meet with his people, and he will meet with us at the altar. So the altar is a place of devotion. I want to encourage you to make your devotional life a priority today. It is a place of demonstration. It's at the altar where God will demonstrate his glory and his power in your life. And then it is a place of declaration. What are you declaring? What are you speaking over your life today? My friend, the fire of God falls at the altar. In these different passages that I shared with you today, it said the fire of God came. God smelled a sweet smelling savor and he came and he met with his people at the altar. God will meet with us at the altar.